volume two chapter twelve of the rebel rose by justin mccarthy and rosa campbell prayed this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twelve the twyford negotiations mr tressel lived in st james square and when bellarmin appeared at luncheon time he was seated at table with his wife and lady cora mallory ross bingley the journalist an attache to the chinese legation and colonel towers tressel was eating nothing and was drinking only iced water while the most delicious of dishes and the finest claret and still hock were handed by the velvet-footed servants but that as every one knew was tressel's way mrs tressel however did ample justice to her luncheon so did lady cora mallory so needless to say did the other guests except perhaps the chinese attache who appeared a little bit embarrassed and uncertain how to manipulate his implements in whose well-being kind-hearted mrs tressel took the deepest interest openly deploring the absence of edible birds nests and sea slugs which lingering recollections of her child's guide taught her to associate with china mrs tressel was a bountiful-looking and bounteous matron not handsome but extremely good-natured she had a certain malapropian reputation for always getting hold of the wrong end of a story and a good many amusing anecdotes were told of her few of which probably had any foundation there were people who said that mrs tressel's ingenuous good-nature masked all the guile of a woman of the world and that if she were to disclose all she knew about matters social and political london society would be considerably disturbed by her revelations mrs tressel beamed a welcome upon bellarmin and made room for him between herself and the chinaman from whom she had been inquiring how many wives his countrymen were allowed she wanted to know all about the marital arrangements of the celestial empire and asked a good many naive questions when the chinese gentleman explained that his countrymen usually found that more than two wives gave trouble and required to be constantly sent back to their relatives as a punishment for insubordinate conduct certain great personages sometimes had four and the emperor had six he added with a gleam of national pride lighting a countenance which in its immovable gravity was almost equalled by that of the host tressel was convulsing lady cora over a witty story with a fine french point which he drawled out his eyes half shut and scarcely a muscle of his face moving presently lord twyford came in and he too did justice to the dainty fare though in a refined and somewhat abstracted manner colonel towers greeted the conservative chief with effusive geniality and at once made a point of jerking political allusions and house of commons jokes into the conversation and launched into a discussion about the feeling in the provinces and the tory manoeuvres during the whitsun recess which lord twyford laughingly put aside as inappropriate to a radical table there was a good deal of light talk and of course miss beaton's name came up and bellarmin was plied with questions as to the stonehenge visit of which all london seemed to have heard was it true that lord stonehenge was going to marry miss beaton did sir victor champion mean to play the part of a bolingbroke and espouse the stuart claims what were the actual claims a forfeited estate sounded so romantic etc and now had not lady saxon taken the pretendress up 
and was she not trying to marry her off to the duke of nornside in order to get her out of champion's way for had not all the world read in the society columns of the papers the names of the guests at lady saxon's dinner had they not even been telegraphed in the english intelligence to america lady cora mallory made the first move and perhaps in malice propense insisted upon carrying off ross bingley and colonel towers who she had found out were engaged like herself to madame spinola for a party on the river that afternoon colonel towers had a shrewd suspicion notwithstanding the unembarrassed air of lord twyford and bellarmin that some wire-pooling was going on and he would fain have lingered to take such part as was possible in the performance or at any rate to be in a position to declare his knowledge of the whole matter mrs tressel discreetly withdrew with the attache and the other three gentlemen were left alone lord twyford was a delicately made and nervous man he passed for being the intellectual and the educated man of his party he had published translations from pinder and a volume on the science of thought his friends believed that he would be a statesman one day he was only just over forty years of age he had intellectual courage enough to go to the edge of some political crisis but then his physical nerves failed him and he drew back and would not make the spring and then he racked his brain for plausible reasons to persuade his friends and himself that he had drawn back deliberately and out of pure statesmanship at each new venture he said to himself anew i am determined upon it this time i see my way i will not draw back then when he did draw back after all he said to himself of course i was quite right i only wanted to see if it ought to be done and i saw that it ought not to be done still his friends counted on his doing great things some day and there was a general impression that the policy which was to revivify the conservative party and make it popular while yet conservative was to come somehow from lord twyford lord twyford had taken early notice of bellarmin and had talked a good deal to the young man whenever he had an opportunity he admired bellarmin's talents and especially admired his go the reckless way in which bellarmin would fling himself into some parliamentary gap or at some political obstacle clearing it by mere rush and dash that was exactly what twyford could never make up his mind to do and he admired such a quality in bellarmin as some very weak woman admires physical strength in a man of late they had not met very often and they had a good many general subjects to talk about now if you too tressel said would excuse me for a few moments and smoke your cigarettes in happiness although for the time bereft of me i should like to get rid of a few letters and messages which won't well bear delay tressel's meaning was quite understood lord twyford and bellarmin were left together delicious cigarettes said the peer everything is excellent in tressel's house bellarmin assented yes that luncheon now where could you have got anything nicer and the wines and tressel cares nothing for eating or drinking gives perfect dinners and eats none of them takes a chop and a cup of tea earlier in his study what does our dear tressel really enjoy cigarettes and political excitement yes exactly by the way speaking of political excitement 
ain't you expecting some of it in your house pretty soon they tell me so bellarmin answered but we are always expecting something or other in our house this time isn't there solid reason for the expectation yes i suppose so and don't it concern our house this time i am told that it does bellarmin was perfectly determined that he would not bring the talk to the point lord twyford must do that for himself or leave it undone bellarmin had long been a little uncertain as to the position which he held in the favour and confidence of certain peers high up in the conservative government and he was resolved that lord twyford must make the first move there was a pause and then lord twyford made the move well mr bellarmin he said with a little confidential cough i suppose we may come to the point we understand each other champion is planning a great coup and every one seems to know of it except his own colleague lord saxon now the one great question for us is what are we to do exactly bellarmin said and he thought to himself so it is we then well i'll tell you frankly what i think and then i'll ask you what you think i quite admit that the house of lords wants to be reformed modified in some way if the change don't take that form it will take a form less acceptable to some of us therefore i say let the reform come spontaneously and from within let it come from the conservative party and the house of lords itself that is my conviction lord twyford's delicate face had quite an heroic look as he spoke bellarmin was warmed into confidence in a moment yes he said earnestly i have long been convinced that the house of lords must be remodelled that it must be made capable of development must be popularized or it must go i don't see why it should not freely accept reform and i certainly can't see why its friends should refuse to listen to a fair proposal for myself i should be inclined to go farther i don't see why its friends should not make the fair proposal oh make it do you think you could bring your people up to that lord twyford well now there is just the question if de carmel were alive then indeed yes but mirabeau is dead as the french waiter said lord twyford smiled this conversation he said is so very interesting that i think i might venture on another cigarette yes that is of course my difficulty but i am not dismayed by it we must encounter difficulties nucide malis sed contra you know they have given up quoting from the classics in your house i am told a pity i think come come bellarmin said we had an irish attorney-general there lately who quoted greek did he really how odd well i see the difficulty but i don't mean to let it frighten me and lord twyford looked heroic again still bellarmin had not got to know exactly what lord twyford intended to do and that was precisely what he wanted to know before he could become quite communicative on his own account bellarmin had come as he understood to talk over the possibility of inducing the conservative government to go into council with sir victor champion as to a scheme for the reorganization of the house of lords 
he had come to think such a project desirable and even possible but to all appearances lord twyford was disposed to go for a project much bolder do i quite understand lord twyford you can only go into this project with champion or without him which do you propose to do he is in the field at least we are assured that he is to be and he is willing to be our ally your ally said bellarmin hastily but distinctly correcting himself how do you propose to deal with him well i'll be quite frank with you mr bellarmin what i want to do is this i want to screw the courage of our people up to the level of undertaking this reform themselves and adopting the earliest opportunity of making their resolve publicly known i want them to announce it in your house and the house of lords the same night that would take the wind out of the sails of the radicals and the revolutionists we should gain time we should gain everything we could prepare a scheme at once simple and grand i have the idea in my own mind just now simmering only simmering and we should have all the reform in our hands well i have not said a word yet to bosworth about this of course it's all only an idea yet it will be terribly hard to screw him up to the proper pitch but it will be a great thing if i can show him that the best man of our party will be with him if he will only make up his mind that way now i want to know about you and your friends will you go with us first about champion as i understand you propose to cut him out that is the plain way of putting it we are in office in the seat of authority if we are willing to accept a scheme of reform it is our right and our duty as a government to undertake it what would sir victor champion say to all that after his voluntary offer to cooperate with you what should he say he can still cooperate with us we of course should invite his cooperation he declares he only wants the house of lords reformed he don't care by whom yes men say these things and to a certain extent they mean them st george goes out to rescue the lovely i forget her name and he asks some hero and brother saint to come along and see fair the brother saint runs ahead or finds a shortcut and rescues the lovely creature himself of course st george is very glad that she is rescued but still i suppose he wanted to play the leading part in the drama himself lord twyford smiled your illustration is amusing he said but i don't think it quite applies in this case no man has a right to claim a monopoly in reform a true reformer ought to rejoice when his work is anticipated he ought to and when men are governed by maxims he will but that time is not yet you don't seem very encouraging may i say that i expected a little more of the venturesome from mr bellarmin oh well now don't let me be misunderstood i was only thinking of the matter as between you and champion and the difficulty you will have in inducing your people to take the initiative but so far as my friends and i are concerned we will go with you heart and soul in any scheme or policy which you are at all likely to sanction that i can safely promise you lord twyford bowed his head in acknowledgment of the promise but did not seem quite satisfied he had evidently expected a warmer encouragement 
you appear to think it will be hard to induce my people to take the initiative hard to make them take the initiative impossible i should say but of course you ought to know all about that much better than i it seemed to me that with champion actually in the field your people might be induced to cooperate with him partly to prevent him from doing too much but as to their being prevailed on to start the thing themselves well i can't see it lord twyford still lord twyford said a little peevishly is it worth while taking so much trouble and risking so much merely to be champion's jackal a true reformer bellarmin gravely said ought to rejoice when his work is anticipated lord twyford's good humour returned and he smiled graciously i am afraid that my people are not true reformers yet in that sense they will want to be convinced first that the thing is inevitable and then perhaps if they see that they will like to get the credit of doing it themselves but to prevail on bosworth to accept such a scheme in order that he may become champion's jackal well that would be difficult it was clear that lord twyford thought the hour had come for the great deed of his lifetime bellarmin could not get out of his mind the idea that there was a sort of treachery to champion in twyford's project that however seemed no affair of his only a few words more were spoken on the subject each man understood the other and each was a little disappointed lord twyford had expected to find in bellarmin more of the recklessness of a freelance bellarmin had expected to find in lord twyford less of the craft of a politician well i must be going the peer said charming interchange of ideas strictly confidential of course needn't say oh here's trestle just in time end of volume two chapter twelve